And as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, we wouldn't typically link authority and joy. If anything, it would go the opposite way. <laughs> we would see authority as a source of misery uh, for a lot of people in the world. And it's really a pretty powerful biblical concept. Um, angels are called authorities, good and bad angels. And obviously some of them use authority well and some of them use it poorly. Our government is called an authority. Studying authority just as a biblical concept is a very valuable study. But what I want to focus on today as we work through Advent is the author, and I'm deliberately making this play on English words, um, and it actually ties very well to the understanding of authority in the scripture. But think author and authority. That where you have authority, you then are being drawn up with God into basically telling your own story. And hopefully in a way that is aligned with God's purposes and not in a way that brings you to a bad end. So that's where authority and what I've been calling agency is very closely related. Now, last week we talked about God, self, and others. And next week we talk about actual Christmas, the birth of Christ, the incarnation, the word becoming flesh, God embodied. But as we looked at God, self, and others, those were our main points. And you're trying to get to this idea that John's talking about where when everything's said and done, there's just going to remain people who are able to love and they'll remain and people who aren't. And they'll be swept away in destruction and torment and what the scriptures call hell. And the birth of Christ is all about stopping that descent into death, into self-absorption, into isolation, into outer darkness, into weeping and gnashing of teeth, into torment. And if we are going to remain when this whole current order that we know of as the curse all of us yearning for that day, no more mourning, no more crying, no more death, no more pain. The curse is gone. But if we're going to remain standing with God on that day and remain when this current torment wave has passed, when death has passed, we must love. And to love, we must discover or rediscover our original authority, authority, as beings made in God's image. It's the first thing God says about humanity. Male and female, he created them in his image. In the image of God, he created them. And he says, let them rule. So the author and authority, all authority, scripture says this repeatedly, actually belongs to God because he's the author. And as we try to grasp that concept of a sense of, of being drawn, in the end, not by our works, but by God's grace, into his authority and his power in your life to come to a good end. And that becomes a message of joy and hope. It's hard to have joy if you feel like a powerless prisoner in your own life. And people struggle with this kind of stuff. 
Somewhere deep inside, we feel like a powerless prisoner in our own life, and we tend to want to immediately say, well, why do I feel like a powerless prisoner in my own life? Because I'm oppressed, because of this, whatever. Oppression's obviously terrible and bad. Um, but there's a lot of oppression in Jesus' day. And he made a point of saying, that's not what's enslaving you. And then a huge percentage of the Roman world's population were, in fact, slaves. And the main Christian message was, you can have authority, the only kind of authority that really lasts, even as a slave. All this other stuff is temporary. It doesn't mean slavery is good. Paul said the slave trade was evil. It's Jesus is trying to get something deeper than that. And not getting hung up in all these temporary, outward manifestations of a deeper problem. If we're not willing to tackle that deeper problem, it's never going to get fixed. And if we tackle the deeper problem, it can't help but get fixed eventually. It's hard to have joy if you feel like a powerless prisoner in your own life, but true authority comes from the author of life. So we have to ask what really enslaves us. And if we knew what really enslaves us, this is kind of Jesus' message, do you even want to be free? Is it worth the effort to you? Because we're, to put it in more counseling terms, we're very addicted to the things that enslave us. And if we really want to be free, then, we talk about the author and authority, we have to destroy that which is most enslaving us. And that's a picture of Christ stomping on the serpent's head. Paul alludes to it in Romans 16. God will soon crush Satan under your feet. That first promise in Genesis, your seed, Eve, will crush the serpent's head. So if we want true authority, then we have to start with where Jesus ends in his Sermon on the Mount. And the end of that, the crowds were astonished. Their minds were blown, really quite. That's actually a very good understanding. My mind's blown. Because Jesus, unlike any teacher they'd ever heard, spoke as one having authority. Authority. And not as their teachers. So if we want to gain that, and that's a picture of the Trinity, we may come back to that later, but we need to understand authority and what does it mean when we say we're humans and our level of being? And what does that mean? We'll come back to that later. We want to start with practical things of rediscovering our original intended being. And to do that, we have to hear something. We have to hear the master. The one that when people heard him said, wow, this guy has blown my mind, but he sure seems to know what he's talking about. And as he winds down the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives very, four very strong like, commands, urgencies. You really need to do this. And the first one is enter the narrow gate. We want everything to be easy. It's getting worse and worse in our world. It used to be that if you wanted to buy a Christmas gift, you got up, dealt with the madness of the rush, the long lines, the poor harassed clerks, 
the impossible parking, and you did it. Now, you're on Amazon, and at this point your computer basically says, now you need to get up and get your credit card, and you're like, really? I gotta get up, go get my wallet, <laughs> go find my credit card, and I feel like burdened and put out by that. And this is just like in your guys' lifetime. We don't want things to be hard. And the more you don't want things to be hard, the more everything starts to feel hard. When you just keep shrinking back from that. And Jesus winds down his sermon and says, enter the narrow gate. The way to life is hard. That's written in a pedestrian world. Because we want everything to be easy and we're so quick to vilify God and we live in a modern world, we say, well, why did God make the way to life narrow and the way to destruction broad if he wants everybody to be saved? Why did he make the way to life this winding, narrow road and he made the way to destruction the beltway? Which is a way to destruction. But <laughs> why did he make it this eight-lane superhighway? And that's not what Jesus is talking about at all. You have to get back into his world. If you walked everywhere you went, and you saw a path that was very beaten down and wide, what would that tell you? A lot of people walked on it. And if you found a path that was very narrow, what would that tell you? So it's not saying anything about God making them one way or the other. It's just an observation. Take the road less traveled. He's not happy about it. It's just an observation. Few are willing to take the hard way. Our job in our little community, the only thing we can affect is to make the few a few more. And we want to be people who are willing to do the hard things and enter that narrow gate. John, in John 1.12, says, He came to his own, his own received him not. But to those who received him, he gave the right, but really, he gave the authority to be children of God. If you receive him, he will give you authority, authority to be God's child. But most don't. And so there's a great threat to this because of our own vulnerabilities and our sin nature and wanting everything to be easy. Jesus says, beware of false teachers. That's how he's winding down the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous sermon. He says, Enter the narrow gate, do the hard thing. And as you're trying to do that, watch out for false teachers. Beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And he talks about their fruit and noticing people by their fruit. And that, that can take 20 years. And you really have to be willing to take a long view. Again, our you know, click of the mouse microwave culture doesn't take a long view. But false prophets, Peter says it so well, they're really good salesmen, but what they're selling is they're making merchandise of you. And really it's about their appetite, their hunger, their greed. So in all this preaching of, for example, prosperity gospel, who prospers? The preacher of it. He gets the money. And 
we have to get better at discerning, you know, I'm, I'm not sure you're really trying to, really trying to help me. I think you want to suck me in, draw me in. And you're make, I don't think you're really trying to sell the gospel, I think you're trying to sell me. For whatever way that that satisfies you. Why is a wolf ravenous? I mean, are wolves just innately ravenous? Are they? If a wolf's eating 20 pounds of meat, is it ravenous? No, it's hungry. So it goes hunting. Watch out for people who just don't seem to be full. That's why they're ravenous. So beware of false teachers. Remember, he's trying to give you authority, if you'll receive him, to be a child of God. It says you need to enter the narrow gate. You've got to watch out for something. There's something you need to gain. You need to gain a heart like the Father's. It's not really the end about what you do. People did all kinds of great things. By the way, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he's got his apostles around him. Which apostle is sitting right there? that isn't one of his people? Did Judas cast out demons, heal the sick? Was Judas one of his own? No. Don't be drawn in just because people do spectacular works. And the works are spectacular. That's great, you're casting out demons, you're healing the sick. It's not really what God's about. And he says it, one of the most chilling statements in Scripture. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, Judas is sitting right there. Plus the crowds in the Sermon on the Mount. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, and that people go back to their works. Did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name. Do mighty works in your name. I never knew you. Depart from me. You workers of lawlessness. Wow. It's only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Here we have to get away from this idea of will as some like, you know, just powerful force that bends everything else. It's really more just God's desires. When you gain a heart like God's, you show that you're God's child. The whole idea of does the will of the Father is really kind of where we get our English word poem. Their heart's desires slowly, slowly over time start to rhyme more and more with God's. That's how you know you're rediscovering true authority. Authority. You're becoming like the author. Well, how do we get there? <laughs> how do you, uh, does it just some feeling? No. The ravenous wolves will manipulate your feelings, make you feel good for a minute. If you want to get there, you have to practice the words of Jesus, the great ending of, look, the house you're building is the house of your own destiny in your life. 
And you can build it one of two ways. You can take the shortcut and just throw it up on sand and put all your money and your effort into building this spectacular structure. Or you can do the hard work of digging deep until you get to bedrock, which are the words of Jesus. And most of your work's going to be put there. But I'd rather have a cottage on a rock than a mansion on sand when the storm comes. And most of the work is very deep and more from a counseling point of view, what we would call effective, changing our desires, and unseen by other people. But what they'll see over time is the fruit. You'll see it over time. What are you really building your life on? We're in Advent season, and so Christmas is coming. Are Jesus' words foundational to you, or are they tacked onto your house like Christmas lights? They look pretty. It's nice to spice it up every once in a while and let everybody know that I'm celebrating Christmas too. I like Christmas lights, by the way. I'm not, <laughs> not trying to be screwed here. I'm just saying, they're not really foundational, are they? That's what he's getting at here. We like to throw the lights on. And especially when it's dark and people don't look too closely, a shack can look spectacular. Jesus is like, well, that's not, that's not foundational. Will you dig deep and build on his words? There's only two kinds of people in the end. People who do that and people who don't. And he talks like that and stops. And his last words are, and it fell with a great crash. So there's his feel-good moment at the end of the sermon. Don't want to leave anybody wrestling with anything too heavy or walking out discouraged. His sermon is like, get real, people. You need to deal with this. It fell with the great crash. And the crowds are like, and? Because there's always the happy ending, right? And then their minds are just like, wow. And then they say, this guy has authority. He has authority. There comes a time where we need to stop working so hard to think that Jesus didn't really say what he said because that's troubling and stop analyzing it and just say, that's, the bed that's bedrock. I don't need to hit bedrock and then start trying to jackhammer it. I'll just break the jackhammer. You can't get lower. At some point, it's just, do I build on that or not? Or do I not like it? So I'm just going to keep trying to figure out why it doesn't say what it says, why Jesus didn't say what he said. We have to hear the master and let our minds be blown. A couple weeks ago, I talked about eight steps to effective agency from the wisdom of Solomon. And Solomon said, do not be over-righteous or over-wise. Why destroy yourself? I don't want to take the time to explain all that, but when it says their minds were blown, that's related to Solomon's idea of don't destroy yourself. 
You're not going to, you can't sit there and say, when I figure it all out, I'll decide whether I believe or not. You'll just destroy yourself and shatter your own mind. You know, when Jesus comes in human form, he's not the thinker. He's the pick up the hammer, get to work, builder. How many of you ever tried to do a, a, a major project on your home and didn't want to start until you could figure everything out? So when did you start? Oh, I still haven't started. At some point, you just have to say, okay. And you get in there and you're like, oh, wow. And now I'm starting, so I start tearing down walls. I'm like, I didn't even know that was back there. And could you have ever figured out it was back there and that's what you really needed to deal with until you tore the wall down? No, you couldn't because you couldn't see it. You can't understand everything ahead of time and then decide whether to do the project or not. There's appropriate level of planning and then there's pick up the hammer and get to work. And go do it. So if we really want to hear the master, when we're talking about his authority, then you have to stay on mission. So Matthew's first sermon from Jesus ends with he has authority, and then then to Matthew, Jesus, and we're a Bible church, we know Matthew 28 well. Jesus is risen from the dead, and he says, all authority has been given to me. Make disciples. That's the command. Go is as you go, while you go, because you're going, wherever you go, however you go, in your goings, bring intentionality. Everybody you meet, part of what you're trying to do is just hear where they are and try to give them a word from Jesus. Where they are. And we're supposed to be bringing an intentionality to that. Make disciples, make disciples, because the guy who has all authority said, go do this. So go do it. And he's really emphasizing your mentality. The command is not go. That's presumed in life. Life is full of goings. I'm going to work. I'm going to school. I'm going to Jehovah Java. I'm going to whatever. In all of your goings, wherever you go, while you're going, do this. Make Disciples, isn't that what Jesus did? And as you do that, you are rediscovering authority and agency. Romans 16, 20, I alluded to it earlier. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. All this stuff that's holding us back from being who God created us to be. So, when you try to rediscover authority and agency, I have a question for you. What is authority? You hear that word? Don't, don't worry. I'm not like trying to make sure you get exactly the right answer. I want to know, when you hear that word authority, how does that strike you? What does that mean to you? There's not like really a wrong answer. There's just only one I'm looking for. No. <laughs> What is authority? I mentioned at the beginning of the you know, service, and said, does authority, does that sound like joy to you? Maybe when you're in authority. Short of that, it's like, oh, great. What is authority, Nancy? When I listen to somebody and I give them authority, I like for them to have a track record of doing the right thing. Okay, that's true. 
That's good. In other words, you want to see that the person has character and follow through. Um, so you're giving them authority. So what did you give them? Respect. Respect. Okay. D? You give them the power to do it. Okay. The initiative. The initiative. Initiative. Okay. So respect. Good. Power, initiative. Vesta? Permission. Okay. Permission. Paul? Okay, so it's a position and that, they're, that they're kind of they're following the chain of command. It's not outside. It's they're, they're in a lawful position. Anyone else? All that's true. I'll say Richard. Vicky. And then I see Mark. Is that Mark? So Vicky and Mark. A person or a thing that has wisdom or skill or ability. Mark. Okay, the power to establish and enforce standards. Okay? All of the above. <laughs> but then there's this other angle to it that doesn't jump out to us. I'm trying to help it jump out to you in English when I break it down because the English word is actually really good. Authority. And related to author. Especially from a faith perspective when you realize God is the author. Now think about God is the author, we have authority, and then the scripture saying we are made in his image. So we want to rediscover authority and agency. And remember, a lot of the people that this New Testament that we have is being treasured by and read to are quite literally slaves and are probably never going to have what we think is authority in this life. Though Paul says, if you can obtain your freedom, do it. And Paul says, the slave trade's evil. He, I, so those things are embedded in our New Testament. But most of these people were going to be slaves or virtually slaves, a very low in cla lower class working poor man who was, then there were going to be a few who might have had more what we would think of as authority to make a difference in this world. And when God comes in human form, the one who has all authority, does he come like that rich person or that working class poor man? You see how he's turning? And then he, that's the guy who says all authority. Think about this. Two guys on the street giving you life advice. One guy's in an Armani suit and he's got his fleet of Rolls Royces. Another guy's a carpenter, a maintenance man, a janitor. And we all immediately, <laughs> what does he know? And then God, you just listened to Satan in his Armani suit dressed like an angel of light and you threw the Son of God under the bus. We have to look deeper. And by the way, which one really has authority? <laughs> what is authority? Well, you can break it down. And here's a little bit of a... So it's the Greek word, I don't want to talk Greek, but it's ex-usia, just to literally mean out of being. The idea of usia is to be. And ex, come out of. Expatriate, former member of that country. Um, yeah, that's um, ex-spouse. <laughs> okay, ex-usia, out of being. This came from being. All right, that, that's the word. Here's a definition. And a lot of you touched on different elements of this. And this is just right from you know, technical manuals. 
Um, a state of control over something, freedom of choice. That's important. A right. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Right? That people have certain inalienable rights, which means inalienable authority. People. Potential or resource to command, control or govern, capability, might, power. Right? That's authority. Related words to authority, this out of being. Presence means this, this little thing I put up there, that usia. That means usia alongside. Absence, usia not there. See, we don't think presence and absence related to authority. How about this, when you read the Apostles' Creed? The Son is of the same substance as the Father. Same level of being or value of being or rank. See, authority is best understood by looking at the Trinity, and that's why I have it down there. Right? So, Father, Word, Spirit, or Father, Son, Spirit, whichever you prefer. So, who has innate authority within the Trinity? Who of the three? All three. <laughs> and if you say the Son does not have the innate authority of God, he's less than God in his being. Now think about this. So... If you say certain humans innately have less authority than other humans, you're saying they're a lower level of being. Okay, you just hear that. Don't freak out, <laughs> you know, but ponder that. And now come back and say, but within the Trinity, how does the authority flow? Who's first? The Father, absolutely. So much so the early Christian says the Father is the monarch of the Trinity. That must mean he's worth more, but the Father generates the Son. Okay, and so who's next? The Son gives the Spirit to whom he pleases. Does that mean that the Son is worth more than the Spirit? No. Is that how it plays out so often in human society? Yes. <laughs> That's why when God shows up, we crucify him. And you're buying into that dark narrative. If I'm not in the place of authority, I'm not worth as much. You don't think you're buying into it, but we buy into it. It's not true. And Christians need to show that it's not true. You are human. You are made in God's image. To be human is to have a certain level of innate authority or value or freedom or right, but our authority has been compromised by what? Sin. Sin. So, what is freedom? 
Jesus said it. Bigger context. He's saying, the son is, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. How do they respond to that? We're free! We've never been slaves to anyone! Jesus comes back and says, really? It's kind of ironic if you even know Jewish history at that point. <laughs> um, but, just on a political level, but Jesus isn't getting into politics. What does he say? He says, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. We're free! We've never been slaves to anyone. How does Jesus answer? Do you know it? I heard it. Monica, whoever sins is a slave. But if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And when he comes back to indeed, again, I don't want to get super technical, but it's related to this word right here, this, this weird little usia. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. You are free truly. You are free foundationally. You are free in your innermost being. And from that will flow. X out of your being. Does Jesus talk like this? If you believe in me, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And that doesn't mean that the authority flows indiscriminately. So who has more value, a king or a slave? It's equal. They're both human. Which way does authority flow? From the king to the slave. And then the king in a fallen world will often lord that over them. And then the people feel less than human. But you can set the slave free and it doesn't really make him more human. He's still going to die in his sin. And the king can lose his throne but discover Jesus and he's free. To be free in your being is deliverance from the things that actually destroy us. Three things. We are in bondage in three ways that threaten us eternally. Number one, condemnation. We've sinned. Right? So we're under condemnation. And the gospel sets you free from that. The law has bound us to condemnation. We've all broken the law. Number two, we have all these unhealthy, toxic desires in us. What we call our sin nature, or God told Cain, was the sin beast crouching at the door of your heart. And you can't beat it. And then number three, and this is when we just need to be compassionate and mourn with each other and wait for the new day, our bodies are bound to decay. And sickness and pain. And I don't care how spiritual you are or how much authority you think you have over disease, all these people act like you can cure whatever disease you want if you really have faith. I'm like, so are you going to die? Yes. That's prosperity. Rather than just hearing the hard truth, your body is not going to survive this. So what do you need to do to get your inner being free so you can get a new body? And then no more crying, no more mourning, no more death, no more pain. You will reign with him in authority. 
only the gospel promises ultimate deliverance from all three things. Condemnation, toxic desires, bodily decay. Only the gospel. Only the advent. Since we're all enslaved to those three things, it really is, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed in your innermost being. Aren't you grateful for the advent? Go make disciples with joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. Help us to put off the old man, which is being corrupted, and put on the new man, which is created in the image of God, in authority, in true righteousness and holiness. I pray that you would help us to really live out the gospel and practice, implement, do the words of Jesus and build our lives on the rock. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.